getting on the right path that leads to life. That's next on Growing Grace. Maybe you're a prisoner to drugs, prescription or street drugs. Maybe you're a prisoner to pornography. Maybe you're a prisoner to gambling, alcohol, speed. There are many things that capture us and we become slaves to them for the rest of our life. And we become blinded by them. We don't see. These men think they're free. He says, if you commit sin, you're a slave. You're no longer free. And a slave does not live in the house forever, but a son abides forever, lives forever. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. If we sin, and we all do, we're a slave to sin. That's God's assessment of us, which some find offensive and hard to swallow. But it's the truth. The good news is we don't have to stay in that condition. God can and wants to set us free. Well, today on Grow in Grace, Jesus shows us how to enjoy a life of true freedom. And it's part of our study of John. We invite you to turn to John chapter 8 for this freedom-finding edition of Grow in Grace. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. The Pharisees, you might be a Pharisee if the first thing you ask someone is, where did you grow up? Where did your grandparents come from? What nation are you from? Do you have a high school degree? Do you have a college degree? What kind of work do you do? Well, Pastor, those just sound like normal conversations. No, no, you're looking at the outside. Jesus looks at the heart. What's going on in this conversation is the Pharisees are looking at the outside. Jesus wasn't educated at Jerusalem. He wasn't born in the, quote, holy city. He was born in Bethlehem. And he lived in Galilee. And yet, verse 16... If I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, Jesus speaking. I'm not alone here, but I am with the Father who sent me. If I judge, it's because Father God, but they don't get it. They don't understand that he's talking about Father God is with him. It is also written, verse 17, in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I read it to you already, Deuteronomy 17. I am one who bears witness of myself. I testify who I am. But the Father who sent me bears witness of me also. How so? When did Father God bear witness to Jesus? When he was baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. You'll remember a dove came down from heaven and a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And everybody heard it. They're all looking around. Where'd that voice come from? It was Father God. And they said to him, this is awesome, verse 19, where is your father? Now that's a question. Where's your father? Well, my dad's here with me. No, 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 your heavenly father. 
That's what Jesus was speaking to. They're still thinking material. They're thinking genetics. They're thinking a person, something they can see. Jesus answered, you know neither me or my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. If you know Jesus, you will know Father God. He's about to introduce the concept of the Trinity. Three persons in one. The words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for he had, his hour had not yet come. It wasn't the time for him to die. It'd be six more months. Jesus is in, it's called the treasury because there were 13 boxes there and they had like, it looks like trumpet horns coming out of them. Nine of them were for the tithe that people put money in them and the other four were for offerings. It was in the outer part of the temple also called the court of the women. I'll take just a quick side trip. Christianity has set women free. That's a dogmatic, strong statement for me. If you doubt that, go to a country that has been untouched by Christianity. If you don't think women's rights are unique to a Christian country, go to a Buddhist country, or go to a Hindu country, or go to a Muslim country you will find something completely different. Why? Now, I have two daughters, so I'm a little sensitive about this, but the court of the women that Jesus is speaking in was so they could bring the woman caught in adultery that we looked at last time into that section because women couldn't come into the other part. Jesus Christ, speaking through Paul, said there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And that's a unique place in the world, ladies. And you can thank Jesus for that. Of course, he's God, of course. So they're in the section called this area of the women. So Jesus is on the Temple Mount, and he's giving a sermon, really. This is a sermon to a bunch of rabbis. Jesus said it again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Wow. So he drops, throws a hand grenade in the crowd. I'm going to heaven, is what he's saying. And you're not going unless you believe in me. That's where this is going. And it's true for them and it's true for us. Unless you believe, unless I believe that Jesus is God who came to earth and died on the cross for your sins, you will die in your sins. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. So they don't understand. Again, the Jesus is talking about the heart issues of believing in him and not the physical world. He said to them, you are from beneath. <laughs> He's trying to get their attention. You're from hell. I am from heaven. I'm from above. You were of this world. I am not of this world. I love that last part. I walked around the parking lot a couple of times, and I noticed a lot of you have that little sticker on your back window of your car, not of this world. I think that's a very cool sticker. I think it's a witness without being offensive at all. And that comes when you surrender your life to Jesus. You're no longer a citizen of the United States. You're a citizen of heaven. And that's God's gift to you. So you're no longer of this world. They're flipping out. These Jewish leaders don't get it. Now, I'm going to take a little quick side trip with you because something happened amazing in science. So a space telescope called the Webb, James Webb, 
Space Telescope shot back pictures for the first time that no one had ever seen this part of space before. It's 13.7 billion light years. Okay, so photon, a light particle, travels at 186 miles per second. Your brain goes, what? Now, if it kept traveling for a year, that's a light year. And astronomers use that term of measurement, even though it's impossible for our little peanut brains to hold on to it. So this telescope is taking pictures of things that are almost 14 billion light years away. It's the very edge of the universe, of the entire cosmos, not just our universe. So I, I want you to think about heaven, because that's what Jesus said. I am from above, that's where he's going back. Someday you will live here. Here's what the telescope looks like. 22 feet across the mirrors of it. The Hubble was less than a third of that. So this is three times more powerful than any telescope that has ever been available. We had no idea God was such an artist. Heaven is astounding. The heavenlies are beautiful. Verse 24, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. This is a very important verse. If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Notice the word he is in italics in your Bible. That means the translators added it. What Jesus said was ego ami. That's in Greek, I am. That comes from the book of Exodus chapter 3. When Moses came to a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being destroyed. And out of the bush came a voice, Jesus, that said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to set my people free. And Moses said, uh-oh, that's not going to go well. Who shall I tell Pharaoh sent me? Yahweh is what Jesus answered, or ego Amy. I am that I am. I always have been, I am now in the present tense, and I always will be. Now Jesus says to a group of religious leaders who understand Hebrew very well, he said, unless you believe that I, and he used the Hebrew term, I'm sure, Yahweh, Unless you believe that I'm God, you will die in your sins. Now, he fired them off. It doesn't show here until you get to the end of the chapter. Go to the end of the chapter. They're going to try and kill him. They took up stones to kill him because he claimed to be God. That's what he's saying here. Now, apply this to yourself. I don't know where you are with God. You're here in the church. Well, come on, Pastor. Don't be deceptive. At least we got here. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're here. But it never ceases to surprise me how many non-Christians come to church here. Because they say, well, they got this hot rod thing on the 4th of July. It can't be too scary at church. Let's go and see. I hear the music's good. Pastor's a little weird, but, you know, let's go see. And maybe you're here that way this morning. But I don't want you to miss the importance of what Jesus is saying. Jesus Christ is claiming to be God. Well, how can he be God? Because he's talking about the Father here in a couple of verses. This is the Trinity. Three people 
in one. And it comes from Deuteronomy also. It's called the great Shema. Shema in Hebrew means hear. Listen. Shema Israel Akkad Adonai. Hear Israel. God is one Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, that's three persons. Yes, it is, but it's one God. One times one times one equals one. Now, if your brain just skidded to a stop, that's a normal reaction. I'm not claiming I entirely understand it. But what you can see here is that Jesus said, Ego Amy, I am God. And unless you believe I am God, you will die in your sins. What does that mean? That means if you grew up in a cult, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian scientists, you were lied to. I don't know how to be any clearer about this, and it's not politically correct, but hang on a second. They told you Jesus was an angel or a created being or the firstborn. Jesus is God, the I am. And unless you believe that, flip it around, but if you believe Jesus is God and died for your sins, you will live for eternity in that cool place called heaven. Well, don't I have to try harder, Pastor? No, I grew up in that church. You just got to try a little harder, little beads of sweat, help little old ladies across the street, put money in the offering, go to church every Sunday, read more Bible verses, pray more. If I just grunt real hard, maybe God will let me in heaven. No, the only way you get in heaven, the only people that are in heaven are sinners saved by grace who surrender to him and say, God, I can't do it myself. I give up. Take my life, forgive my sins, fix me from the inside because I can't do it on the outside. There's the gospel, and it's contained in this verse. Unless you believe, trust in, cling to, rely on Jesus as God. But if you do, you will live for eternity. Well, the Lord couldn't be more clear than he has in his word about the way to eternal life in him. You're listening to A Study in John, Chapter 8, from Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace. Here he is with the second half of today's lesson. I have many things, verse 26, Jesus speaking, to say to you and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world above those things which I heard from him. I'm only telling you what I heard from him. Very short, very sweet, few words. Jesus was a man of few words. Because Proverbs 10, 19 says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. You talk too much, you're going to stumble. But he who restrains his lips is wise. James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, every woman, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. The Lord's Prayer only has 56 words in it. Our Father, who art in heaven. You don't have to pray all day. U.S. Declaration of Independence, 300 words. Ten Commandments, 297 words. A recent U.S. government order setting the price of cabbage, 26,911 words. 
It's not how long we talk. It's what we say. Verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, when you crucify me, is what he's saying, then you will know that I am God. I am he, again, in italics, Yahweh, ego, Amy. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Father God speaks to me. He tells me what to say. Verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things which please him. I wish I could say that, that I always do those things that please him. But all have sinned and fallen short. Every one of us in this room. Okay, shocker, you're a sinner. How can you say that, Pastor? You don't know me. I don't have to. That's what the Bible says. Every one of us is a sinner. But thank God he died on a cross for sinners like you and like me. And that's how we get to heaven. He spoke these words and many believed in him. That phrase, believed in him, appears 98 times in the Gospel of John. It's a highly critical thing. Trust in, cling to, rely on God, not on your own ability, but on what he did. Do you believe? I believe. Simple statement. I believe. I know that I know that I know God died on a cross for my sin. You can boil it down to that short sentence. Believe and you will be saved. Many of them believe. Now, freedom, verse 31, important concept here. Then Jesus said to those Jews, those leaders who believed him, if you abide, if you live, if you're conformed to, if you walk in, if you practice my words, what we're looking at here, you are my disciples indeed. We are his students, his followers. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And they were thinking, well, we're, we're already free. No, no, the truth will set you free from sin. Because the worst kind of slavery is slavery to your own flesh, to your own sin. They answered him, what well, were Abraham's descendants? We're children of Abraham, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Listen, some Americans think that way. Well, I grew up in a fill-in-the-blank. I grew up in a Catholic home, and so I'm going to heaven. Eh, wrong answer. You might be thinking, well, I grew up in a Baptist home, and I have a little pen that says 10 years perfect attendance in Sunday school. I'm going to heaven. Eh. <laughs> Well, I read the Bible every morning for three minutes. I'm going to heaven. But I give money to the poor. But I pray. If you would believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, you will live forever. They said, well, we're already free. And maybe you're thinking that. Jesus said, most surely, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I already insulted you and said you were sinners, every one of us. A prisoner, he says, by sinning. Maybe you're a prisoner. Maybe you're a prisoner to drugs, prescription or street drugs. Maybe you're a prisoner to pornography. Maybe you're a prisoner to gambling, alcohol, speed. There are many things that capture us and we become slaves to them for the rest of our life. 
and we become blinded by them. We don't see. These men think they're free. He says, if you commit sin, you're a slave. You're no longer free. And a slave does not live in the house forever, but a son abides forever, lives forever. He's using a physical picture. A slave is going to die in sin, eternally separated from God, is what he's saying. Therefore, if the Son, S-O-N, capital Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, but if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Free of sin. Well, Pastor, are you saying I'll never sin again? No, that isn't what it says. He'll set you free from the bondage of having to sin. He's able to change our hearts so that we want to please him. Freedom. This is what William Barclay said. Christian freedom does not mean, mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought to. The lost, those in hell, enjoy forever the horrible freedom that they have demanded. I want to be free to sin any way I want. Okay. So they're blinded. I had an interesting story I stumbled on that we'll close with this morning. The guy's name is Pierre Paul Thomas. He's a 68-year-old Canadian. And he was born blind. And he was walking down the stairs of his apartment that he'd been down many times. And he stumbled and fell. And his head hit the rail. And it cracked all the bones in the orbit of his eye, around his eye. And they called it an emergency ambulance. They took him to the hospital, took him to a specialist, a surgeon. It was a woman. And she said, sir, I, I can fix your eye. We're going to have to operate on it, pull all those bones back out, put them in the right place. But would you like me to heal your blindness while I'm fixing your orbit? And he was flabbergasted. He said, well, no, no, I was born blind. I can't see. She said, I know you have a disease, Nyolita, which is a it's a motion problem with your eyes, but that's not why you can't see. You can't see because you have two great big chunks of fat in your eye that I can remove them. So this Canadian goes in the operating room and this surgeon does a beautiful job of removing the cataracts that were in the back of his eyes. And he wakes up being able to see. 68 years old, first time he'd ever seen. He wrote, everything is so beautiful. Faces, skin, it's all so beautiful. Before this, he said, everything I saw was gray and unable to focus. The sad point of the story, as I was reading, the, the part that really bothers me about this story is that that surgery has been available for 50 years in Canada. He spent 50 years in blindness when he could have had him removed and been seen for the last 50 years of his life. Now, much of the world is blinded by untruth and sin. Jesus promises freedom to all who would receive him and will remove the darkness from your life. He's asking you to allow him to do that. You could refuse and remain blind for the next 50 years. 
What a glorious God we have, who is willing and able to set us free. And for that, we can be eternally grateful. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource, It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.